Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Apples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not great. You know, the, you can't we can't win them all. The Oilers can't win them all. They lost 5-3 to the Flowers tonight. They were due for a loss. You know, they were 5-0 and to start the year. They could have easily been 3-2. and You know, would have been, a, you know, just as fair in terms of the flow of play in those games. So you, I'm not going to complain about a 5-1 and record. Nonetheless, it was like all losses. It was, a, it was hard to take <laughs> if you're a fan of the team. And there were some notable screw-ups in the game, which we're going to get to in our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. Bruce, what was your good thing? Yeah, well, my good thing actually was I thought the hockey game was good. I loved the pace of that game. Uh, they they were just the first period, especially absolutely flying end to end, uh, and the puck was uh, was just singing up the ice, singing down the ice. The Oilers would take their chance at the net, and Philly would get it, and they just tossed it out into the neutral zone and 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 uh, flood the zone with numbers. And and often they would come out with the puck and with an odd man or you know with a uh, certainly a, a, an excellent zone entry with speed that led to something. And they were able to convert plays like that into a couple goals. And uh, ultimately that was, uh, well, those were key difference makers in what was essentially a one-goal game. But uh, uh, I just I, I just love the high-intensity level of this, uh, of this hockey game. And I thought, you know, it was a good game. Philly's got a good team. And Edmonton's got to be on top of their game to uh, to beat them. And tonight they couldn't stay on top of their game quite long enough to get it done. Yeah, I guess that when when people looked at the Oilers team this year and, and and had fears about the team, it was this kind of game where, you know, they'd score enough to win three goals, but they'd get outscored because of goaltending and defense. And uh, we saw that to, to a certain extent. Well, that's what we saw tonight was... Uh, not great, uh, but it was a it was a very fast game, especially that first period. Seven to six grade A scoring chances, grade A scoring shots, I should say, in the first right. period with the Flyers having the edge in grade A shots, mm-hmm. and um, including that one right at the buzzer, oh, killer goal. Oilers <laughs> fought back from two nothing all period. They tie it with eighteen uh-huh. seconds left. You think they're going to the room, and it's a nothing play with like four seconds on the clock. They dump it in. Bats the nurse bats the it out of the air, and he bats it out of the air a second time. Somehow Cam Atkinson was able to knock it down, kick it up with his skate, and let fly with a shot that fooled Mikko Koskinen from the slot. I'm not sure if Koskinen had much to do with that. Nurse, no. I guess if he had known in the slot, you know, the time, if he, you know, if he was able to look up the clock, he would have just let the puck go by him. But the instinct was to try and play the puck and was uh, just, what, seven-tenths of a second or something. And they, again, they fought back from that early in the second to tie the score at three, and then uh, the game settled in from there. And I thought Edmonton's big guns, probably in the last five to ten minutes, it didn't seem to have a huge amount of gas in the tank, and that's because all of them were up in the 25, 26, 27-minute range. And uh, uh, Philly's guys, they seem to be a little bit fresher uh, down the stretch, at least that was my view, and and uh, uh, they were able to clog it up. Once they got the last lead, they were able to clog it up and yeah, and, uh, I finish see. the job. 
I think the Oilers were kind of dry settle was just fantastic this game driving the play. He he just won endless battles, but he looked spent by the end of the game, yeah. and he did play twenty six sixteen a team high yeah. for the Oilers, mm-hmm. and he was done. Um, even on the end of that power play, you could see he was getting super tired, and he didn't have a lot left in the last five minutes of the game at all. After playing a utterly fantastic game, he he is a, he was a good thing. But my good thing tonight, we, we've been I've been picking on. I'll speak for myself here, Tyson Berry, for some uh, weak defensive play early in the year. It might have been a case uh, of him trying too hard, um, just or just not in sync yet in the early season. Anyway, he had he had some good games last year, and he had a really good game tonight. He was smart with the puck, excellent with the puck. Um, couple couple plays stand stand out at once. He picked off the the puck in the neutral zone, and made a beautiful backhand pass across the ice. I think it was a backhand pass across the ice to set in a a, a great a scoring chance. Uh, Pulleyarvi and Hyman combined, and then they put it over to McDavid, who streaked in. But that was all started by Barry's great little play where he made a pass, and uh, of course he scored a really nice goal. Did he ever? Uh, Great backhand goal where where uh, a- after an even better backhand pass that was the dry settle pass right yeah. to him in the slot so he um, he great looked really patience good. And he was, by Barry there though to hold the puck as long yeah. as he did and, and let fly such a good shot from a low angle it uh, yeah and uh, defensively he was he was sound maybe it's he wasn't playing tough competition um, he's playing on the third pairing now with Cuckoo you know they. Even the third pairing gets tough competition now and then. They, they're out there against good players, especially okay. in a, on a pretty good Flyers team. So, um, but he was, he just was, seemed more settled. He was um, not getting beat left, right, and center. We did tag him on one mistake on a great A chance against where he pinched in. I'm, right. You know, McDavid failed. Really, that was McDavid failing to cut. McDavid was covering for him, but he yeah. failed. Play. They both kind of got, he, yeah, very, we, McDavid was covering for Barry, but Barry lost the battle on the sideboards. Was why I tagged him, and I thought it was marginal. You know, he could have gone either way with it, but he lost the battle, and McDavid made a bad pinch behind him before he knew it. It was a two-on-one. Yeah, for, uh, I, for Philly, yeah. it was. It was not like a horrid, glaring mistake by Barry. Let's put it that way. So a better game, and the and you know they needed that of him to settle down and start playing a bit better. He did, I think, went through stretches last year where he was really bad. I, I think he's prone to defensive slumps, but then he can have stretches where he's pretty settled and and okay defensively. Um, I'm not sure what why that is, like what it is about his approach to the game where where that happens. He might, you know, but that's going to happen with Tyson Berry. But this was one of his good games. So so way to go, Tyson. He looked like super confident with the puck tonight, yeah. more so than I've seen to this point in the season. And uh, trying things and jumping into the play and making things happen and sort of doing the good things that he does. And lo and behold, he did fewer of the bad things that he also does uh, in the same game. And, and uh, it's kind of like his his game. I mean, even when he's on top of his game, there's always going to be some chaos because he creates it. But he creates something both ends of the ice. And, you know, but that play, that player, I can take all season long. He was he was fine. You know, uh, and all that said, at the end of the game when the Oilers needed a goal, I would have rather had Bouchard on the ice than Tyson Berry. I every time Bouchard goes to shoot Bruce, I get excited. He shoot, <laughs> he shoots that puck 
with such velocity. I mean, it's it's we haven't had a shooter on the blue line that since since uh, Sheldon Surrey, and he and he's not like Surrey had the huge kind of wind up. It was much more dramatic in some ways, but Bouchard just unleashes it. So I like Tyson Berry, but I think when you really need a goal, I I would have preferred to see Bouchard uh, in that moment on the ice. Yeah, Bouchard, he made one shot from the slot. I can't remember who was the guy that he dangled on Philly, but it was a pretty good player. Yeah. And he just pulled the puck through his skates pretty as he pleased and out the other side. And uh, Unfortunately, <clears throat> one of the flyer defenders in tighter than that made, also made a great play to dive and block the shot that, uh, That's that right. uh, Bouchard let fly. But after he dangled the guy, just so calm and... and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, in control, it seems like Bouchard when uh, when he's got the puck, or even when he doesn't, he's look, he's starting to look more and more like a, at home with himself and with the pace of the game out there. Yeah. So Bouchard, so, uh, Nurse, and Barry all had four shots on net each. So what? Go ahead, Bruce. What's your bad thing? Oh, I got to say, Mikko Koskinen. You know, I like Mikko, and I thought he played two good games on the road, and I thought he made quite a few good saves in this game tonight. Uh, but he was um, three goals, man, three goals. Uh, the first one, the wraparound where Puck bounced off the end boards and he committed to the near side post, and he was just dead and buried uh, when the uh, dude popped around the other side and tucked it home. CeCe came over and almost kept it out. <clears throat> Giroux, was it? And uh, yeah. he just out quick Koskinen at the side of the net, and Koskinen overcommitted to the short side post, and we call it, we called that a missed assignment. I wasn't quite sure what you say, you know, he, he was not where he needed to be at the end of the play, that's for sure. <clears throat> and then the second goal, he just misplayed the puck on the shoot in, and then uh, he had to scramble back into the net, and he just unfortunately the bounce didn't go his way in tight to the net, and the uh, Flyer tucked it out in front, was able to uh, tuck it in the hyphenated dude there. Uh, I haven't got the sheets his name. My printer's not working, so I've, I've got, I'm going by memory. 62 white got that one. And then, worst of all, 3-3 tie oh, in the third bad. period. Yeah, that's the guy. 3-3 three, three tie in the third period where the next goal is going to be massive. And Philly comes in, it is a three-on-two, and they do a quick give-and-go, but the guy who shoots the puck is at the top of the circle near the boards. So not only is he outside of home plate, he is high and wide of home plate, to use baseball terminology, and it's not close to to home plate at all. Like He's he's a foot foot high and a foot wide of the plate, and yet somehow he managed to drive it right through Koskinen's legs and in. Just a killer goal again. I mean, that second second one was, you know, three two goal was a crusher when it happened with lots of time to recover. That one in the third period, though, you just got to make a save there. And I mean, Koskinen did make a great save later in the third after a bad McDavid turnover, and that guy walked right in on him and he stoned him in close. But uh, I, I'll say he did make some good saves in this game. But three bad goals and a one goal loss. That's goaltending, and if you compare Koskinen to Carter Hart at the other end, Sherwood Park native Carter Hart, who I thought was outstanding in this game, maybe a little weak on on one goal, and uh, but uh, a number of big time saves, and he stood in there and he fought through a lot of stuff, especially in the second period, which Edmonton flat out dominated. 
and uh, Hart made a couple big saves in there, and and uh, he was the better goalie. And I don't know, is it eight or nine nights out of ten that you can say the team with the better goalie is the team that walked away with the win? Yeah, four out of, I'd say three out of four, right? Yeah, three maybe. Out of four, maybe even four out of five. So on that first goal, that was a really tough play because the puck took a super heavy bounce off the boards. It comes right out into a dangerous scoring place, and he's got to get over there fast and hug up against the post to make the play. That so was that's tough. a really tough moment. And then lightning fast, it, it's right on Giroux's stick off the boards, and he just takes it like, like, bam, it's in the net. So we were going back and forth. Was that a mistake by Koskinen? And maybe maybe we have it wrong. We In the end, we thought, well, it probably is, and we said it was. But it was a, it, it was a very tough play for a goalie. Mm-hmm. Because you had to get up against the post, I think, on the one side, and he didn't. He didn't make it. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, so, I, you know, then the next one, the turnover. I like ask actually how Koskinen's handling the puck, and that he's more active with the puck this year. And and I think the Oilers should con- continue to like. I think they're probably encouraging him, and they're part of that is is accepting that he's going to have an odd stinker. Now he can't have too many, and that was certainly one of them. But he's much more aggressive handling the puck. And it's an and it's an improvement in his game. He uh, is getting better at that. Uh, probably picking it up, you know, learning from Smith. You can't watch Smith play every game and think, well, why don't I do that now? And they're like, why? Why do I have to be such a stumble bum with the puck and never make a play? So he screwed up, Bruce. But I I like that he's being aggressive with the puck. I think he should continue to do that. But the third goal, the or the uh, the winning goal, the fourth goal, that was. Like you say, it, it was a crucial moment of the game. Um, that was not Grant Fear. Uh, someone else on that. All right. My bad thing. The fourth line, Bruce. Devin Shore, Devin Shore uh, was on the ice for three minutes and 20 seconds at even strength. And in that time, the Oilers got outshot. Uh, zero, four, seven against. The whole line was just rancid. I mean, the first, the um, on the first uh, on the first goal that this that hard shot off the boards, mm-hmm. it comes because Kyle Turris is given his player a mile of time and space in the defensive slot. Wish I'd never seen that play again. Where Kyle Turris? I mean, I'm glad he's on the wing. But he he just you know it went right through him. He 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 didn't cover the guy in the slot. Hard shot off the boards, and then a second later the pucks in the net. On on two uh, grade A shots, Devin Short made not one but two mistakes. First, like he would make a mistake in the offensive end, and then he would be slow recovering from it. He just had a he just had a really terrible game. Yeah, he had a terrible game. game. Yeah, the four, the minutes, kind of game that, four minutes and forty eight seconds. It's it's hard to do that much wrong in less than five minutes. And Perlini. He, he got destroyed. 0 and 3 in the face off circle. No shots. Uh, no hits. One. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just. And they were chasing, chasing, chasing. And, and uh, yeah, they were not effective at all. Perlini, a couple. Uh, Grade major mistakes on grade A shots against, mm-hmm. you know, 
allowing passes into the slot, losing losing a battle on the ozone, and then slowing the back check on another one. Like this can't happen with the fourth line. Um, you, you need your fourth line to be solid defensively. That's the number one job. And they weren't mm-hmm. this this fourth line was not. It should be, you know, I I could see. Shores played well up until now. That was his first bad game. But Perlini and Turris have been trending down. And I would suggest that, you know, go back to to Benson. I don't know why Benson and Sevier came out of the game. They played well against Vegas. I thought they had earn, earned another game and they should have had this game. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't think like Tip, the I think Tippett's reasoning there is that he probably thought that uh, the previous fourth line had earned the Vegas game, but his idea was to share the wealth and to give all the players on the team a shot on the road trip. So it wasn't even so much that the that the uh, Shore Perlini tourist version of the line lost the job, is that he just shared the, the time on the road trip and then he went back to plan A for this game. Uh, he'll be thinking long and hard about going back to plan B for next game though, because plan A flat out failed. They had a so. real tough night and it was a, a a big part of the difference. You know, they only played three or four minutes. But they lost, I think, one nothing. They're part of the game in a, in a yeah. one goal game, and and created. I mean, Brendan Perlini in the preseason where he got you know all those goals, six goals in six games, and an assist that was a shot that was tipped in, and the one game he didn't score a goal, he had a shooting assist, and then all of that shooting has just basically gone away, and he's played five out of six games and just. Just nothing, like no no chances really, and no uh, certainly no uh, offense. This is what I was worried about picking him for the team, yep. and uh, and you know, you you mentioned that you thought he could forecheck. Well, forecheck then, Brendan Perlini. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I agree, really. with Bruce, and I agreed with you. I I think he can forecheck, but it's just not going on. Mm-hmm. And maybe go, maybe mix it up. Maybe Perlini, Shore, and Benson, for instance, might work. I don't know who can play the right wing then, but. I'd not seen a lot. Well, I had seen. I, Turris had a good game, and I mentioned it the other a few games back. So he's had a good game, but anyway, this wasn't one of them, and it cost the Oilers. Change it up, change it up. All right, Bruce, your number. Yeah, my number is uh, twenty-two thirty, and forty-two percent. That's Edmonton's performance on the faceoff dot tonight. And this has been an area of strength for Edmonton. Uh, but tonight they went up against uh, with the top two face-off teams in the league going into tonight's game. Ooh. And Philadelphia showed why they are the top face-off team in the league by winning 30 out of 52 for 58%. And in particular, this absolutely key sequence with two minutes left in the in the uh, uh, third period. Just give me a second to bring it up. And... Uh, this was with Edmonton's net empty and the face-offs in Philadelphia zone. And I'm just going to read right off the event summary. Uh, okay. Uh, puck and benches uh, was the first stoppage. Face-off Philadelphia won defensive zone. Giroux versus Drysaddle. That was 1803. They iced the puck. 1822, Philadelphia won defensive zone, Giroux versus Drysaddle. They iced the puck again. They missed the net by like this much. Yeah. Uh, 1830, face-off, Philly won defensive zone, Giroux versus Drysaddle. And another icing, 1839, Philly won defensive zone, Giroux versus Drysaddle. The same matchup four out of four times. And I'm thinking, as, as great as Leon is in the circle, 
At a certain point, the coach has got to go with McDavid, who's 10-4 and four on the night and by far the best oiler on the dot. He never got one of those draws. And the Oilers never had the puck. They were never able to control the damn puck in the Philly end in that crucial minute. And then finally Philly got it to center and were able to pop it into the net after two or three close misses. So uh, they got one. But Edmonton was just not able to get the puck. And then that really sprang off of their inability to win the faceoff. And, and as uh, I mentioned, Lee, 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 yeah, well, Leon, by that time, he was playing his 27th minute of the game. Yeah. There you go. You know, there so. you go. That, he was gassed. Like you could see it. He just was mm-hmm. not in the last five minutes of the game. He was not moving his feet, whereas he had been just flying earlier in the game. And he was just, oh, he, he, was a, he was a, he was a beast on the puck in the corners, along the walls. He was winning puck battles. He was distributing and he had a real solid game, but he looked, I thought just a little bit gassed. And, and let's face it, Claude Giroux is a tremendous player and he had a really good game. And when it came, push came to shove and those key D zone draws, Giroux found a way to win them. And Edmonton uh, wound up chasing the puck instead of moving it around and doing their magic with the puck. My number, Bruce, is two. And the two signifies the two absolutely fantastic passes from Evan Bouchard to send people in on, you know, five alarm chances and they both miss the net. So first he, he springs Nugent Hopkins for a breakaway and the, the Nugent Hopkins shot was affected by the Flyers defenseman kind of hacking him with his stick a bit. And so, but he still missed the net. Um, so he didn't separate. I he thought he was sep- behind the guy and he, it was like he slowed down to make his shot instead of, instead of taking it hard in there and that's why the guy was able to catch up with him a little bit so to me that's you know a little bit on the player who didn't get the shot on net because he didn't separate to give himself room to to shoot unmolested in the third period bouchard makes a splendid move at the point where he kind of goes between two players and puck protects uses his body to to protect the puck Mm -hmm. finds it cross ice seam just knifes that puck over there to Turris. And with an open net, Turris misses the net. Whoa. Tough angle. That was tough angle. Tough angle. It's but a tough shot to make, but he needs to an make NHL, it. An NHL player with an open net. You know, you got to, you have to make that shot. Well, it would be, it would, it would sure be nice. Especially if you didn't cut the cover the slot earlier in the game. It would be yeah, nice that would have made up for, Yeah, that would have made up for a lot, Bruce. Uh, yeah. So anyway, he missed it. But those were just oh, wow. sweet plays. Play. The Nuge play, he stood up. I think it was Konechny at the blue yeah. line and then dispossessed him. And he came out with the puck. One look up, boom. Nuge gone on the breakaway on the counterattack. And that's uh, that's some of what Bouchard brings is that awareness and, and ability to, when he sees the open guy, he can execute the good pass quickly. So Nuge now has six games, zero goals, and nine assists. Nice. Bruce, nine assists. And and there's who is that? I, I I I've we've been through this before. Who is that '70s player? There was this one '70s player who had who had a season. Just trying to look it up here. It's uh, it's either Phil Goyette, Jude Duran, or um, okay. someone like that who had like Phil one Goyette of those, was he had some seasons like that. I mean, Adam Oates had seasons like that. Henrik Sedin had seasons like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, 10 assists for every goal kind of thing. But, yeah, so Nuge is having that kind of year. 
but he missed that missed that shot. Maybe that's why he's having that kind of year. No, Nuge has been fantastic. He's I'm I'm glad to see him playing so well. And uh, yeah, Bruce, I, I, you really can't win them all. And, and oh. the Oilers, the Oilers, uh, you know, I'll take the five and five and one record, and we'll go from there. Uh, and you know, the big question is, is go ahead. Sorry. Uh, here's Henrik Sedin's final NHL season, age 37, 82 games played, three goals, 47 assists, 50 points. Well, that's that's the best pretty extreme for a forward. That I mean, is you the see D-men do that, but... <laughs> yeah, Phil Goy, uh, I'm, I'm at Jude Duran here, uh, 63 games, 13 goals, 43 assists for 56 points. That's not as extreme as is the example you had. Three and forty-seven. No, I'm missing somebody. There was someone in the in the seventies who had like a seven-goal, sixty-assist season. I'm just trying to think of that one. I'm not sure. It's not Phil Goyette either. It was. I think it was someone on the Penguins. Maybe it was Sil Apps, Junior. But um, let me just see. So who plays next, Bruce? Uh, at Vancouver on Saturday night, and all the. Uh, Already, I'm I'm reading suggestions that Skinner needs to play after uh, Koskinen had a subpar night tonight. I'm guessing, knowing Dave Tippett, no, that Koskinen will be playing in Vancouver on Saturday in Hockey Night in Canada, and then next week when they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Skinner might get one of the middle games, so that Koskinen isn't playing four and seven, uh, unless Smith is ready to come back, which changes the equation. But I have my doubts. Smith is close to tell the truth he came out and he played briefly at practice and he went off right away and i didn't hear from today maybe things are better but uh i just a little queasy about uh looks like a groin that's my best guess yeah i um i've heard some mixed reports about what's going on with him so we'll see but uh i'm really worried too bruce and i, and I wrote last like when he got hurt I, I i said you know that my headline on the story was that thing that every order fan fears well it's happened and i got some flack from that people saying well he's just out for a week and and mm-hmm. which is a fair comment right uh, you know well, it would have been if he had only been out for a week but yes. well that's it but listen what we feared was he was going to have injury problems and go on injured reserve that is exactly what happened at that time and we mm-hmm. also know and the reason it, it was it's more significant as that is his age and the fact that he has played poorly in the past in the you know when he played poorly the previous seasons recent seasons it's been because he's mainly been banged up so this is a huge issue with him and uh yeah, count count me in as concerned. Although you know Koskinen's played strong hockey in two out of three games, so and he had his strong moments tonight. But he did make some big saves. It's, it's the goals are disappointing, and there are other ones that maybe should have gone in that he kept out. But I hope they do go with Stuart Skinner. Uh, you know, it's sooner than you know. Soon. Don't keep playing Koskinen back to back and that kind of crazy stuff. Because I I I've liked Stuart Skinner's how he's looked. Um. In the last eight months, you know, mm-hmm. good in the HL, good in preseason. Give him a game. Let's see. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, Bruce, they need to. Salary cap is an issue with the orders. They need cheap players. If Skinner can be a cheap backup goalie for Mike Smith next year, or with Mike Smith in a tandem, that's ideal. So um, that's maybe it's he's he's got what three full years in the minors. Give him a go here. Yeah. Well, they've got uh, they've got Vancouver uh, 
Vancouver Saturday, then they're home for three. Monday against Seattle, Wednesday against Nashville, Friday against Rangers. And if Skinner's still around, I got him for the Seattle game on Monday, November 1st. Uh, but And then they got another three days off before they hit the road, and they really start cramming the games in. Then they play five in eight days. So hopefully Smith is back by then. All righty. So, hopefully. Because one thing we've learned over the last three years is that uh, Mikko Koskinen struggles under heavy workload. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's fine when he's playing, you know, sharing the duties or as a, as a, uh, as a backup playing, you know, one game a week. But uh, uh, twice after they traded Cam Talbot in his first season and then last year when Smith was out that he had... Uh, you know, sort of every game duties, and he wilted under the load both times. So surely by now, Tippett understands that and will use Skinner even, you know, like against against what he would like to do, which is go with his number one, which is Koskinen. But he's got to recognize a long-term good. Sometimes you've got to give that guy a night off and uh, say with four and seven days, if it's still Koskin Skinner, Skinner will play at least one of those games. If he plays well, then he might get a second game. Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks Fair for enough. talking tonight. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>